What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Nick Lightfoot, and welcome back to another episode of No BS Finance. Today, we are going to be talking about all things RESPs, and then we'll do a little recap of the accounts and talk about how they're kind of all integrated. Um, So this is the final part of the three-part mini-series on the savings accounts available in Canada. So if you haven't listened to the other two that are on TFSAs and RRSPs, give those a listen first. Uh, We're going to leverage a lot of that information, so this one probably won't be as long as the other two. Um, As always, this podcast is solely for informational purposes and is not meant as investment advice. My email is in the show notes. If you want to ask me any questions or you have any real life scenarios you want me to cover on the podcast, if you are interested in a one-on-one personal finance consult, because maybe you're not um, getting enough from just the podcast, shoot me an email and I'm happy to help out in any way. Other than that, guys, let's kick off this episode on RESPs. So this episode is going to cover everything you need to know about RESP accounts. We are gonna talk about what they are, why they're useful, when you should use one, the pros and cons, a little bit on how to set one up, but it's generally the same as RRSPs and TFSAs, and the best way to use your RESP, RRSP, TFSA, kind of in tandem with each other. So, let's start it out. What is an RRSP? RESP stands for Registered Education Savings Plan. As the name says, it's used for education, generally your kid's education. So you can only open an RESP once your child is born, and the RESP stays open for 36 years. We'll talk about in a little bit what happens after those 36 years and what you can do. So this account is used to help save your kid's future education, whether that's college, university, stuff like that. Um... So it's a little bit different than the RSP and TFSA in how um, how much you can contribute, where the other ones are kind of yearly, um, they're based on uh, federal levels every year or your income. This one is just a lifetime cap of $50,000 of contribution in or per RESP. So if you have two kids, 50K each kind of thing. Um, it generally, it's a great investment vehicle and there are grants and stuff that you can used to get from the federal government that you can get added money into it. We'll talk about more about that in a little bit. Um, so even if you don't think your kid is going to go to college or university, I still recommend using it. Once again, we'll talk about talk more why in a little bit. Um, but I feel like that's a common myth um, for some people as they're like, oh, like, I don't really know if my kid's going to go to college or university, so I'm just going to stop uh, contributing, like maybe they started one with that thought and then they kind of stopped. They're like, oh, they're not really going to use it. Regardless of that, guys, I do think it is a good um, savings account. It's a good one to use and we'll obviously get into why in a little bit. But the RESP, similar to the RRSP and the TFSA in just its general function, um, it's another savings account. You can invest in it. But like the other two, it does have its own nuances. Now let's get into the pros and cons. So the main pro, similar to the TFSA, is that the money grows tax-free in the account. So when I put money in, the money can grow inside without you having to pay taxes on it. So it's technically sheltered inside of there. But also similar to the TFSA, the money is taxed as part of your taxable income in the year that you deposit and is not deducted like the RRSP. 
But the big difference is how the money is withdrawn. So the best way to portray this is with an example. So let's say you had a child and you started contributing when they were born. Good job, good for you, you're on track, let's go. They are now going to college and want to make a withdrawal from the RESP account, they're paying for tuition, they're doing something like that. So let's say by then, you've contributed 20,000 to the RESP. Great work, love it, yeah, love it. And let's say the total value in the RESP is $40,000. So you've contributed $20,000, let's say your investments have done really well and you've doubled that amount in that time. Fuck yeah, you're killing it. So when it gets withdrawn, the $20,000 that you have contributed, so when you originally threw that money in, it can be withdrawn tax-free. However, the investment gains get taxed in the hands of the child. So you might think this is bullshit, but at the same time, they're a student, they're probably not making that much money anyways, so, and they're probably in a lower tax bracket than you are, so it's an advantage. Like, you get to withdraw the 20000 tax-free, and then you have another $20,000 that's going to get taxed in the hands of the student, and they're probably at a pretty low tax rate. So at the end of the day, it's honestly, it, it definitely is an advantage. So that's generally how how that works. It's definitely different from the TFSA, different than the RRSP, so it's own little nuance. Now, there are benefits that can be gained from the government inside the RESP. So there's two. There's the Canada Education Savings Grant, and there is the Canada Learning Bond. So we're going to get into each one a little bit. So the CESG, or the Canada Education Savings Grant, will match 20% of any deposits you make into the RESP. So great deal. Great deal, free money from the government. Don't say no. However, this is capped at a lifetime total of $7,200. And there is a yearly total of $1,000. Still, free money, let's fucking go. Also, the government may top you up an extra 10% if you're considered low income. So that's less than $49,020 of net family income in 2022. So family income, if you have a spouse, you guys combined, you're less than $49,020. They'll give you an extra 10% on top of the 20%. So pretty good deal. And it's pretty sure anybody can apply. Um, there probably is a few criteria you have to meet, but usually it's very straightforward for the, uh, for the RESP. Usually it's like, oh, have a valid SIN number and be born, pretty much. Um, so, CESG, they're going to match 20% of any of your deposits. Lifetime cap of 7,200. Yearly total of 1,000. Guys, that's 7,000. That's a possibility of $7,200 of free money going towards your child's education. Huge. Absolutely huge. Now, the next one is the Canada Learning Bond, or CLB. This provides a $2,000 contribution for qualifying beneficiaries, aka your child, and is not dependent on contribution. So this is $2,000 of total, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, to it's a $2,000 lifetime total, but still $2,000, and it's not dependent on how much you contribute, whereas the CESG is. To qualify for this, like I said, I'm pretty sure this is very similar for the CESG, but it's very basic stuff. So you have to be born on or after January 1, 2004, a resident of Canada, a valid sin, you have to 
you have to have their name on the RESP. And then the other one, which is a little different than the CESG because you can get that regardless, but this one you have to be from a low income household. So you have to have 49,020 total net family income or under. So that's a little bit different. For the CLB, you have to be low income. CESG, they'll still give you the 20%. Um, the CLB is staggered in that the beneficiary will receive $500 in kind of the first year and then $100 for the next 15 years if they continue to qualify. So if you continue to be like, yeah, they're still a resident, we're still low income, all that kind of stuff, then you will get $100 kind of each year for 15 years, whereas $500 in the first year and then staggered out. Um, they just want to make sure that you're not like getting a ton of money when you were low income and then maybe you do super well later on, you're no longer low income, you don't really need the money. So they stagger it, $500 first year, $100 for the next 15 years and it, that's how it equals $2,000 at the end. So now that we've covered that, the only thing left to cover, which I think a lot of people have questions about is what if the child doesn't go to college or university? Guys, it's not the end of the world. There are a few things that need to be done though. So the CESG can sometimes be transferred to another child. There are a few um, criteria there, which you can look up. Um, but that's that's one of the things. However, if they, if they can't transfer it or you don't have another child, they're not going to school either, then it has to be paid back to the government. So you're probably thinking, fuck, like I'm losing all this money. You're not losing it. They gave it for free. You're just giving it back. Now... All your contributions, regardless of whether they're with the kid or something like that, they can be withdrawn tax-free. But any additional investment income, as we've already stated, is going to be taxed as your income. So if they don't go, it's going to be taxed as yours. If you give it to them, it's going to be taxed as theirs. That's kind of how it works. Unless you have RRSP contribution room. So this is a, non, this is a nuance here. So this, is, this can save you a little bit. So say kid doesn't go to school. Um you're going to just soak the RESP, you're going to soak the tax and you have 10K of, and there's 10K of investment income and you're like, shit, like I'm going to get taxed on 10K. That sucks. I'm in a high income time. Fuck. But if you have RSP contribution room, say you have $17,000 of room, you can roll over up to $50,000 of investment income into your RSP on a tax deferred basis. Granted, you have that room. So that 10K you could be, oh, I have the room. I'm going to put it into my RSP. I'm going to deduct it off my taxes. And then eventually I'm going to take it out. Huge. So that is big. If you have the contribution room, if you don't, way she goes. And you just kind of got to soak the taxes, whether in the hands of the student or in your hands. But the end goal here or the end message I want to go away with is I fully encourage you to make use of this. Get some money from the government. And just overall, it's a great investment vehicle to support your kid. And also, if you have like aunts and uncles and stuff, as your kid is growing up, like one of the best gifts you can honestly give the kid, as opposed to like socks and stuff that they don't even appreciate, hey, put money into their RESP, fund their education. It's a great thing to do, and it really helps out the parents. All right, so the last two topics I want to talk about here are how to set one up and then finally maximizing the various accounts. So setting one up, Super brief, guys. It's going to be exactly the same as the TFSA and RSP. Um, you can go through a financial broker and you can also do it on an online platform uh, through Wellsimple. Um, I think Quest Trade also has it. So pretty much the exact same. Just go on, set one up, put the kid's name on there, 
put their sin, qualify for that CLB, qualify for that CESG, get that free money, let's go. So the last topic, maximizing the various accounts. So quick recap, the TFSA contributions are taxed, but can be withdrawn tax-free. RRSP contributions are deductible. They come out of your taxable income, but they are taxed when withdrawn. And finally, the RESP contributions are taxed, but the contributions are withdrawn tax-free and any investment income is taxed when withdrawn. So knowing all that, how should you manage them? I mean, as always, it depends. There are a lot of different ways you can go with it. Um, they're all great investment vehicles and they have, and they all have their own benefits and drawbacks. So this is kind of my opinion on it, how I would do it. Um, so let's cover this kind of one at a time. So if you don't have a child, I would recommend maxing the RRSP and then contributing to the TFSA with any leftovers. Once again, listen to the RRSP episode, listen to the TFSA episode for more in depth here. Um, as it depends on how much contribution room you have, um, depends whether you're high income or low income at the time, but generally that's what I would do. This maximizes the deductions and allows you to contribute the most amount possible. Inside those accounts, I would invest mainly ETFs, mutual funds, because they're diversified and can give you good returns. You can also go conservative, you can go aggressive, um, and just generally, generally they're easy to do. You don't have to think too much about it. Now, if say I'm planning on buying a home soon, aka your first home, then maybe play it safer in the RSP and go more aggressive in the TFSA because we've got that home buyer's plan in the RSP and then we can be more aggressive in the TFSA because maybe we're not pulling out money from there. Um, if you're using the RSP simply for retirement and the TFSA for a larger near-term purchases, then maybe do the opposite. Go more aggressive in the RSP and less aggressive in the TFSA. Now, let's say you have a child. You now have a third account in play. I would still maximize the RRSP first. Um, it lets you deduct from your taxable income, therefore you have more money maybe to put in the RRSP. So I'd max out the RRSP first, then I would make sure that I'm doing enough to get the most CESG from the RRSP. So as you mentioned, you can get $1,000 a year. I would try and max that out and get that $1,000. So I would, I would do just enough and then I would probably contribute to the TFSA. Um, with that RESP, if I am under 49,020, then I'd, do, I'd make sure that I'm qualifying for the CLB as well. I'd make sure that I'm filling out those things and getting the money from the federal government. However, as the CESG can cap early, so it caps at about seven, yeah, caps at 7,200 lifetime. Um, you can always split the remaining money between your TFSA and RESP. So you cap out the RESP and then you kind of split between the TFSA RESP. You can do that as well. Um, you don't have to go up to that $1,000 yearly limit on the CESG. Like you could do like 500 bucks a year. Like it doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah. So the final thing to think about is if you can't cap your RSP. So your RSP limit is super high and you can't like go towards the max. Um, then I'd probably split between the RESP and RRSP. So this allows you to lower your taxes from contributing to the RSP 
but it also allows you to capitalize on the free money in the RESP. And at the same time, you're contributing to your kid's education. That probably makes you feel good. Um, yeah, so if you can't cap the RSP, um, then I probably wouldn't do too much in the TFSA. To be honest, I'd prioritize the RESP because you get the free money and I'd prioritize um, the RSP because you get to deduct it out of your taxable income and who doesn't like saving taxes and not giving money to the government. Um, now with the investments inside the RESP, um, you can really be as conservative or aggressive as you see fit. I know a lot of people go really aggressive in their RESPs because they're like, fuck it, like 20 years from now, my kid's going to need this money. Like it's nowhere near soon. And that's the exact philosophy you should be taking towards your RSP if you're just saving for retirement. Like it's a, it's a great way to do it. Um, but yeah, like, like I've said in the previous episodes, um, know your risk tolerance, know your timelines, um, and just do it accordingly. So that's going to wrap up today's podcast. Um, some key takeaways today is the RESP is for your kids' education. So the contributions you put in are going to be taxed. Um, any contributions that you kind of withdraw aren't taxed, but any investment gains that you've made within the account are going to be taxed. Um, capitalize on the CESG. If you qualify for the CLB, do it. Um, definitely set one up when your child is born, like do it, do it, do it. Just open one. Even if you're not contributing, it provides like a good gift for like, I don't know, aunts and random uncles and stuff to contribute. Um, and then in terms of maximizing RSP first in my mind, RESP second and TFSA in my mind is kind of like the third choice to, to contribute in. If you're, if you're strapped for cash, that kind of thing. So that wraps up the three-part series on savings accounts. Um, I really hope you guys got something out of it. I hope you guys open an RSP. I hope you guys open a TFSA. And I hope when you have a kid or if you have a kid, you have now opened your RESP or you're thinking about doing it or you're going to do it soon. Um, they're great investment vehicles, guys. They're a great way to grow your money and great way to save money on taxes. Um, this is going to be the last podcast until the new year. Going to take a little bit of time off for the holidays. And then we're going to get into, um, some topics on the economy and investing. I know everybody's interested equity, all that kind of stuff. It's going to be really exciting start to the new year. Um, and yeah, that's going to wrap it up guys. If you have any questions, shoot me an email. Um, if you want something more personalized, custom suited to you, shoot me an email fire me a message on Instagram, anything like that, and we can set something up. Other than that, happy holidays to everyone, and we will see you next year.